Morning, everyone. Um, this morning's reading is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together, all together, in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to, called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's stand and sing. Uh, One of the shows that was on TV when I was growing up uh, was a show called The Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, It's a show that was made in the 1970s, uh, which is why the title doesn't sound as impressive as it once did. Uh, The show is about an astronaut named Steve Austin who is badly injured when his his spaceship uh, crashes, and he's close to dying, but but, but then he undergoes this life-saving surgery, uh, which gives him these superhuman abilities, uh, strength, speed, and, and other abilities. And it's a radical transformation that takes place in his life. And others need to explain this transformation to him when he wakes up from his surgery. Uh, It's happened to him, but it's very new for him. Uh, And as we come to these words in the passage today, for the Colossians, uh, for the Christians in in Colossae, uh, a a transformation is, is also something that they've experienced. They've taken off the old self of immorality and, and other sinful behaviours, and they've put on new life in Christ. And it's a, a radical transformation that's taken place. It's something that Paul has taken upon himself to explain to them as he writes this letter. And, and that's really what he's doing in these verses. He's explaining to them what their new identity in Christ means for the way that they now live. Identity is important in a, in a world where we often struggle to know our place, Uh, The Word of God speaks and it gives us clarity on exactly who we are. And we see that in the beginning uh, of this passage. Now, uh, in the first part of chapter 3, Paul had taken the time to remind the Colossians that their identity was no longer tied to their sinful nature that once defined them. And therefore, the the behaviours of the old self no longer have a place in the life of someone who is in Christ. And this next section, uh, in this section, the focus turns to the new clothing that the Christians put on. The new identity as a follower of Jesus that determines how we live because it's who we now are. Uh, We look at the passage in three parts. Uh, Part one is is just the first half of verse 12. Uh, Part two is, is the rest of verse 12 all the way through to verse 14. And then part three is verse 15 to verse 17. Now, part one, uh, this first part is arguably the most important because everything else hangs off these first words. Uh, You might have seen one of those 
baby gadgets where, where you see a baby lying down and they're, they're looking up and they've got this beam above them and the beam goes across and you can see there's a few toys hanging off the beam. And the baby just lies there for a, for a few hours while you write a sermon, uh, if, if only. Uh, th- this morning, the first few words of this passage are, are a bit like the beam. Everything else hangs off them. There are, these are some words that contain glorious truths about what it means to be a child of God. Uh, our new identity uh, is only possible because of what God has first done for us. And there are three things that Paul highlights that make up this beam. Uh, firstly, the Colossians are God's chosen people. They have this privilege of being known as his. Uh, most of us will be able to think of times where, uh, in life where we felt rejected or or unwanted in in different aspects, Uh, but that's never how God treats his people. He initiates relationship with us. He comes down to us, despite the fact that we have nothing to offer him. He chooses us, Uh, and earlier in the Bible, the people of God are actually referred to as his treasured possession. Uh, Some people think that being a Christian is a bit like a social group, uh, one choice among uh, many number of groups out there, but That's not what we are. We are much more. We are the people of God, uh, people he delights to call his own. Now, not only are the Colossians chosen, they are also holy. Uh, God has transformed them. He's he's changed their hearts and he's set them apart for his special purposes. And finally, the Colossians are those who are dearly loved, uh, which is a great, again, a great thing for us to know in, in this world that we live in. It's a world where we love others and we're loved by others in imperfect ways. And there are many ways which we may end up feeling unloved, but not with God. A great thing for the Colossians to hold on to, the God of this world loves them dearly. We know the lengths that he goes to to show that love, uh, not even withholding his own son for the sake of his people. Paul encourages them, this is who you are, in Christ. And if you're someone here that, uh, this morning that, that trusts in Jesus, this is also who, who you are now. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. Uh, so that's, that's part one. That's the, the beam uh, uh, that the rest of what Paul has to say kind of hangs off. Now part two is, is from halfway through verse 12 through to verse 14. Uh, Now this second section, you'll see there's a a list of virtues that Paul wants the Colossians to clothe themselves with. And there are five things there in in verse 12. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. And then in verse 13 there are two more. Uh, Bearing with one another, which is uh, sometimes referred to as forbearance and forgiveness. Now each of these is incredibly important. uh, And you could easily spend a whole sermon on on each virtue. Uh, In fact, when I look at this list, it it slightly overwhelms me because it reminds me of all the ways uh, that I myself fall short. There may be times where we do some of these things, but there will be more missed opportunities than we care to admit. Um, Perhaps that's something you felt as as you heard that reading uh, and even as I I read that list uh, just now. You look at that list and think, Where do I even begin? Uh, Well, the good news is Paul helps us. Uh, And he helps us by, in in verse 14, because he says that love is the key virtue that 
binds all the others together. Uh, when people are, are baking or cooking, often one of the, the key ingredients that they'll use is an egg. Uh, because egg, it kind of binds things together. It, it stops things from separating or, or parting. Now, if you, if you forget the egg, it can, it can all go a bit haywire. It can be a disaster. Uh, and Paul's saying, remember love because love is the virtue that, that has a similar effect. It will bind all of these things together in perfect unity. The one virtue to be held above all others. Now, it's very hard to express love if you haven't experienced love. It's very hard to express it if you haven't experienced it. Uh, You can try and and do the things on this list that Paul has written, but without love, uh, it won't necessarily turn out well. For the Colossians, and and for every Christian, uh, we know what love is because we have experienced the love of God. 1 John chapter 4 tells us that God is love, and, and a little bit later it says, we love because he first loved us. See, the key to putting on these virtues begins with experiencing the love that we've been shown uh, in the person of Jesus. And it's no surprise then that each of the things that Paul lists in this chapter are actually things that we see in the Lord Jesus himself. Compassion. Uh, In a couple of weeks, it's it's Palm Sunday, and uh, where we remember Jesus uh, approaching Jerusalem as as he heads to the cross. And in Luke's Gospel, when, when he sees the city of Jerusalem on his approach, he, he weeps. He has compassion for it because he knows that, that these people will reject him. And that brings him great sadness. He shows us what compassion for the lost looks like. Uh, next on the list is kindness. Uh, kindness has, has been a bit of a, a buzzword for the last couple of years in, in New Zealand. And, and with that, I think a number of us have, have lost track what, what kindness is. Uh, again, Jesus helps us to remember. In Luke chapter 7, there's a woman who is described as having led a sinful life. And she comes and washes Jesus' feet and, and pours perfume on them. Now, most of society would have, would have shunned this woman and told her not to waste her perfume. But Jesus shows her kindness. And in many of his dealings with others, he displays kindness uh, to those that seem undeserving. Uh, Next is humility. Uh, Paul tells us in in Philippians that Jesus made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant for our sake. The Son of God treated as the lowest of the low, uh, willingly for you and I. Gentleness. Uh, Think of the gentleness of Jesus. And this, is, uh, this probably crosses over with, with some of the other virtues. Uh, I was reading an article during the week about uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was a Puritan from the 18th century. Now, uh, Puritans were, were those who, who tried to purify the church. And one of the books about Jonathan Edwards uh, is titled this, Jonathan Edwards, the Fiery Puritan. Now, this is obviously how he was perceived But in one of his diary entries, he wrote this. A virtue which I need in a higher degree uh, to give a beauty and luster to my behavior is gentleness. If I had more of an air of gentleness, I should be much amended. Uh, And I think the same is true for many of us. Gentleness is something we don't value or pursue enough. We'll we'll all struggle with with this in, in different ways, but I think uh, it's something that a lot of men in particular struggle with. Uh, there can be this 
unbiblical view that being gentle isn't masculine. But this is what Jesus, the the one who was perfect, was like. Uh, And it's what we're all called to. Uh, Next on the list is patience. It's the the, the virtue that we see in Jesus. Uh, It's something we see in his interactions with with Peter. Uh, You think of his disciple Peter uh, and the other disciples from time to time time as well. Uh, He knew that Peter would reject him three times, but he continues to be patient with him. Uh, Next, bearing with one another or forbearance. Uh, And I think this ties in with patience because Jesus bears with those he interacts with. He, He doesn't point out every single flaw or, or mistake that they make. He speaks when he needs to, needs to speak, but, but not when he doesn't. Uh, this is a virtue that's really needed at the moment. As a society, we've, we've almost forgotten what it means to bear with one another. Uh, what a great opportunity we have to show others what it looks like to bear with one another, even when we disagree over, over things that aren't gospel issues. Uh, and finally, forgiveness. Uh, and in some ways, this is the most challenging virtue on the list in other ways it should be the easiest forgive as the lord forgave you when we come to god and repent and and ask for his forgiveness he grants it to us Uh, and so so should we when when others repent and, and come to us and ask for our forgiveness the blood of jesus is enough for our sin but it's also enough for the sins of others as well Uh, And it's enough time and time again, again and again. Jesus says we should be willing to forgive others, not not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now you'll see uh, all seven of these uh, virtues in Jesus, but do you also see that each of these reflect how God has treated us? These are virtues that that God has shown each of us. Uh, And I hope you know that to be true above all god has shown us his love uh, and now we're called to love others Uh, and as i said earlier love is the thing that binds these virtues together and i mentioned it it's hard to express love if you haven't experienced love Uh, praise god that we have the love we've been shown compels us to to put on the new self so that's the second section Uh, the third and final section is verses 15 to 17 and in these last three verses we see three different ways that God helps his his people to grow together firstly through the peace of Christ in verse 15 uh, let the peace of Christ dwell in you richly since as members of one body you were called to peace God's people are called to peace with one with one another uh, if you were here last week you remember the last verse verse 11 that we looked at uh, said this Here there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. There's a newfound identity in Christ. Uh, It breaks all barriers that may have once divided us. And this is the peace that we pursue with other Christians. And, And knowing this peace leads to thankfulness. In a world that seems as divided as it's ever been. The peace that we now have with one another through Christ uh, is something that cannot be taken for granted. Isn't it good to know that we can have disagreements and yet still pursue peace with one another as the body of Christ? That's not to say we don't struggle to be at peace with others at times. 
Uh, it's, it's one of the, the sad realities of, of this world that we live in. And there can be a, a whole range of reasons. But often there's a connection between the peace of Christ uh, and the word of Christ. Uh, and that's the second thing we learn there in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts. The word of Christ is the word that was proclaimed to the Colossians and that they came to believe as we uh, heard in chapter 1. And it's the word that we encounter every time we open up the Bible. Uh, This word that uh, is to dwell richly, this is the word that's to dwell richly in each of God's people. Now when this doesn't happen, it can show itself in a lack of peace. Now the Bible is is rich in terms of what it contains. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, uh, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be equipped for every good work. This is the word that brings eternal life. Uh, When it comes to teaching and admonishing one another, uh, some people are are, are set apart in a particular way to teach in the life of the church. Uh, But one of the encouragements that we can take from this passage, all of us, is that teaching and admonishing here is something that that each of us does. You don't need some special role or understanding uh, of God's word. It's tempting to sit back and think, that's not my responsibility. Uh, but we, we see here, it, it is our responsibility, each of our responsibilities uh, to others. And this is something that happens on, on two levels, I think. Uh, it happens on an individual level. Uh, we can make our own time to, to regularly open up God's word and, and feed our souls. But it's also something that happens when we meet together, as we're doing now. Uh, we're called to speak God's word into each other's lives. Uh, the word helps us as we teach each other, as we correct each other, and also as we sing psalms and, and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, does everyone here know what spiritual, uh, spiritual songs are? Uh, for, th- for those who don't know, um, feel free to ask one of the music team sometime. Uh, now, singing. Uh, as we sing together, we are, we are singing deep truths about our God. Uh, I'm very grateful for those who organise our music and, and choose the songs that we sing because what we sing is, is of importance. If the Word of God is supposed to dwell in us richly as we sing, then the words that we sing together are, uh, are important. They, they matter. And the songs we sing reflect the truths that we find in Scripture. Uh, we sing some great modern songs, uh, but we also sing some songs that have been sung for hundreds of years uh, Our first song we sung this morning, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, uh, a song that was written almost 200 years ago, uh, and it continues to reflect the truths of God's word to this very day. We share uh, in a rich history. Singing is something that God's people have done for generations and and generations, all the way back to biblical times. So these are the, the various ways that we let the word dwell in us richly. And can I encourage you to be in the Word? Uh, Read it. Reflect on it. Obey it. Uh, God's Spirit will transform you as you engage with it. The Word dwelling in us richly. The final thing that God uses to help us grow together is the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is one of the the great verses that people hold on to because really it, it covers every aspect of our lives. You're in Christ, so whatever you do, do it in his name. As Christians, we bear the name of Christ. So it's right that we seek to honour him uh, in all these ways. Uh, So we've come to the end. Remember your identity. You're chosen, holy, and dearly loved by God. If you've experienced the love of God yourself, uh, that is why you now put on these virtues. So keep looking to the Lord Jesus as you seek to live out the unity that we now have in him and rejoice in what he has done for us. Amen.